Open your Bibles this morning to John chapter 16, and let's look at verse 13. Last week, we started a little mini-series, which is going to end today, on how or ways that we can know the will of God. We found out that God does definitely lead us through His Word. Amen. Also, we discovered that the integrity of the upright is going to guide you. In other words, if you'll just do what is right, everything should and will be all right. And then we also looked at the wisdom of drawing counsel from others, other people that know the Lord, other people that can hear from God. And today we want to talk about, which is the most obvious one, next to the Word of God, that God does lead us by the Holy Spirit. He is the third person of the Godhead. He is not an it. He is a divine personality. He is the truth-giving Spirit. And in John 16, and we look at verse 13 says, Howbeit when He, the Spirit of truth, is come, He will guide you into all the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth for your life. He's not going to speak of himself, but whatever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. You and I have got a guide living on the inside. It is so good to know that we have been given the ability to have inside information. You see, we've been talking quite a bit in recent days about koinonia and the partnership that you and I have with the Holy Spirit. The word koinonia means communion. We could say then that he is our unseen partner. And uh, we must then develop a relationship with he who is unseen. And that, my friends, takes some faith. How many of you know It takes faith to respect and to honor someone you can't see. But just because you can't see him doesn't mean he's not there. He lives on the inside. Your body is the very temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you and which you have of God. And so then, in English terminology, in one translation, the Holy Ghost was personified or interpreted as our holy guest. He is our holy guest from heaven who lives on the inside of us. And we are not to ignore him. We are to pay attention to him, to what signals he's sending us to our spirit from the Holy Spirit, to what he's saying to us down on the inside. To respect Him is to reverence Him. To reverence Him is not to ignore Him or to smother Him or to override Him. Paul said, don't quench the Holy Spirit. That means don't smother Him. Don't override Him. Paul said, don't grieve Him. Don't annoy Him. Don't irritate Him. I believe that when we override the leadings and the promptings of the Holy Spirit, that grieves Him. 
Now, if you've grieved him in days past, and I know that I have, all you got to do is repent. And God will forgive you and give you a fresh start on this wonderful, glorious relationship with him and the Holy Spirit. He lives in you. He lives in me. Amen. The number one way, the primary way that God leads you and I is by the witness of the Holy Spirit. Now I want you to turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Romans, the eighth chapter. And let us look at verses 14 through 16. Romans chapter 8, verses 14 through 16. The Bible says that the fear of the Lord, it is the beginning of wisdom. You and I need wisdom for daily life. We need to have the ability to use the knowledge of the word of God that's been revealed to us. We need wisdom for daily life, for daily decisions. Thank God we've got the word of God. But the Word of God doesn't specifically say to do certain things. Amen? Like who to marry, who not to marry. The Word of God tells us, of course, not to be unequally yoked together with an unbeliever. But how many of you know just because a person is a believer doesn't necessarily mean you're supposed to marry them? you got to be led by God. you got to be led by God on who your associates are going to be. Because the wrong associations in our lives can corrupt good manners, or basically it can mess our life up. Amen. And so we must have the Holy Spirit leading us and guiding us, directing us, telling us which way to go, telling us which way not to go, telling us what job to take, what job not to take, who to marry, who not to marry. I mean, A to Z, we need wisdom. Thank God He is the Spirit of Wisdom. And he lives in you. And he lives in me. And so then, the more that we respect him, the the more we'll be able to recognize him. Amen? And we could recognize his leading. So Romans chapter 8. Let's look at verses 14 through 16. It says here, For as many as are led, not forced, Not pressured. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. And as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they're the sons of God. Now, the word sons there means mature. When you learn to be led by the Spirit of God and not looking for a vision and not looking for an angel to show up and not looking for a personal prophecy to tell you what kind of clothes to wear to church... But the more you learn to respect him and to recognize his leadings, there you are in the pathway of maturity. Oh, God wants us to grow up. He doesn't want us to be baby Christians anymore. You know, certainly he will lead you spectacularly in some cases. Certainly he will do some things out of the ordinary when you come newly to the faith. And sometimes after you've been in the faith for a while. But primarily, God leads us by His Spirit. The Bible doesn't say as many as are led by their head. 
It doesn't say as many as are led by circumstances or money or their emotions. All those things are subject to change. But as many as are led by what? They are the sons of God. Now look at verse 16 with me. Now I'm going to replace the word himself, you know, in there for itself because he's a person. The Spirit Himself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. You already have the witness in your spirit. You already have the witness of the fact that you are a child of God. Amen. Have you ever been in the mall or have you ever, you know, maybe been on a jet or met a person and your eyes met and immediately you knew that's a child of God. They are born of God. And after a period of time of talking to them, you discovered, yep, they're Christians. They're one of them. They're one of us. They're born of God. Amen. And so that witness of the spirit that's on the inside of you that shows you and tells you that others are Christians and then you hear their testimony And gives you that unction and knowing on the inside of you that you're a Christian. Amen. That same witness is there to lead you and guide you into all the affairs of life. I like to look at the witness of the Spirit as a signal sign, if you will. The green light in the Spirit is a go from the Holy Ghost. It's like... Dad Hagen described, it's kind of a velvety-like unction or a velvety-like feeling in your spirit. It's not really a feeling, but it's that that go, it's that okay in the realm of the spirit. How many have ever experienced that? On the other hand, there would be a red light. And a red light in the natural realm says what? Stop. Stop. It says, don't go any further. And that is the check in the Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will check you. He will stop you. He will tell you to wait. He will tell you, not here, not now. Now, a lot of Christians do like a lot of natural citizens in the USA do. They go through red lights. You know, a lot of times, I will just simply pause I will pause even though it's green because I know that people's lives are out of control. Let's just be honest about it. People live in a rush-filled society. They push it to the last minute and then they do everything they possibly can to try to be on time. And that includes going through red lights. And so we need to be aware of our surroundings, naturally speaking, to make sure, amen, that we're safe. But if you'll confess you're always in the right place at the right time, the Lord will help you. Now, what happens to people that go through red lights? They get a ticket. And they get what? Penalized. They even have cameras. I went through a yellow one and saw my big face in that car. (laughs) And I paid the price. Well, if that's true in the natural, it's also true in the spirit realm. There's people that are overriding their spirit. And they're going through the red lights 
that the Holy Spirit has told them to stop. And as a result, they've received a penalty. And it's a result oftentimes of not waiting on the Lord long enough. Come on. And being in too big of a hurry. So I submit to you, dear brothers and sisters, live a life in the Spirit. A life that is rested. A life that is led. A life that is safe. And a life that is secure in Christ. And so the Spirit Himself will bear witness with your spirit that you are a child of God. How do you know whether you should have that surgery or not? How do you know whether you should take that medication or not? How do you know whether you should take that trip to that place or not? You've got to know it in your knower by the Holy Ghost. See, for one person to have a surgery, it might be fine. For you to have the surgery, if the Lord checks you, don't do it. Amen. Nothing wrong with those things. But what it boils down to, you've got to be led. Led in this day. Led in this hour. For those that are led in this day and in this hour shall tap into His glory and shall tap into His power and they shall be in the right place and they shall go from strength to strength and grace to grace and they shall enjoy days of heaven upon the earth. Is that you? Is that you? That's me. Say it with me. I'm always in the right place at the right time. So then, in identifying this witness of the Spirit, look for the knowing. As I said earlier, don't put faith in hearing voices. The things of God are spiritually discerned, not emotionally or physically discerned. Learn to pay attention to your heart. Check up on the inside. What signals are you picking up from the Father of Spirits, by the Holy Spirit, to your spirit. When you're praying about something, how does it seem down in your seamer? How does it seem in your heart to you? I submit to you this day that your seamer is your spirit. Now, in the book of Acts, we have discovered that they were very Holy Ghost-minded. They were God inside minded. And when a situation came up and when something came up that they didn't know what to do, they looked to the Holy Ghost. You know, even the great physician, Luke, he wrote the gospel of Luke based on his knowing in his heart that he should do it. Let me give you a couple quick examples. Look at Luke chapter one, verse three. Luke chapter 1, verse 3. Thank you, Lord. It says, It seemed good to me. He didn't have a vision. He didn't hear an audible voice. He didn't see an angel. He said, No, it just seemed good to me. That's the witness. It seemed good to me, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write unto thee in order most excellent Theophilus. Amen. So, the book of Luke was written by the leading of the Holy Spirit. Pastor Mark, 
How can I make a good, godly decision? Follow your seamer. Not prophecy. You know, everyone wants a word. Everyone wants a word of prophecy. Even when we were in Beirut, Lebanon. It amazed us how many people wondered whether we had a word for them. Yeah, we had a word for them. It was a more sure word of prophecy from the word of God. And I'm not against personal prophecies per se. What I'm against is putting personal prophecies over the leading of the Holy Spirit. See, a personal prophecy is to confirm what you already know in your knower. What you already have in your seamer. Come on, somebody. And if God chooses to give you a word to confirm something that you already know, so be it. But oh, there's been tragedies. And oh, there's been people following personal prophecies that were no more of God than I landed on Mars two seconds ago. And have got themselves in to trouble. So, notice with me in Acts chapter 15. One of the big issues in the book of Acts was the Judaizers, which were the Jews, who lived under the law, tried to preach circumcision to the Gentiles, which really received Jesus Christ by faith and didn't need to be uncircumcised. And so there was quite a disputation between them. And so they had to look to God as to what to do. Let me just show you a couple examples. In uh, verse 20, I believe it's verse 25 through 28. Let's look over there. How do we make good decisions? Well, notice those first three words. Everyone say, it seemed good. good. Notice, it seemed good unto us. It seemed good unto us. Notice verse 26. It seemed good unto us. They based their decision on what seemed good. Men that have hazarded their lives for the name of Jesus. Verse 27 and 28. Notice this with me. We have sent therefore Judas and Silas, who shall also tell you the same things by mouth. Now notice verse 28. And here's what I want you to see. For it seemed, everyone say seemed. It seemed good to the Holy Ghost. And to us. But it was first of all good to the Holy Ghost. And then he brought that co-witness to your spirit. It is the co-witness, his spirit, bearing witness with your spirit. And so they made their decisions based upon that. Now in the same context of Acts chapter 15 and verse 28, Silas was in the neighborhood. It was time for everyone to move on. But I want you to notice in verse 34. And in the New King James Version, you don't need to pull it up there. We'll pull it up in the King James. It says, notwithstanding, it pleased or it seemed good. The New King James says, it seemed good to Silas to abide there still. What was he doing? He was simply following the Holy Spirit. He knew he was supposed to stay there. How many of you know the Lord will give you things like that? He'll know you're supposed to not move. You're supposed to stay there. You're supposed to stay put. When it comes to employment, you may have all sorts of opportunities here and there. But if the Holy Ghost says stay put down in your seamer, you better stay put. Because if you stay put, means he's got something far better for you than you could ever imagine. Amen. And so then, it came time for Paul to get a partner in ministry. 
Paul and I believe it was Mark had sort of a disputation and they were no longer uh, a ministry team at that particular time. But Silas, come on, Silas was in the right place. Come on, at the right time. Is that you? Say with me, I'm always in the right place. place. At the right time. time. Glory to God, look what happened. Notice in verse 40, did you wear your shouting clothes? Friends, follow your seamer. And in verse 40, because Silas was in the right place at the right time, Paul chose him. And they departed, being recommended by the brethren under the grace of God. Being led by the Spirit enabled Silas to be united with the great Apostle Paul and become a ministry team that went forth and preached the good news everywhere. And listen, friends, God's no respecter of persons. Now, He's not going to unite you with the great Apostle Paul because the great Apostle Paul's in heaven. But I'm telling you what, God can connect you. And God can hook you up. And He can bring divine connection into your life beyond your wildest dreams. For He is a God of connections. Yea, even glorious connections will come your way as you declare and say, The Lord leads me every day, for I'm always in the right place at the right time. And I will operate in greater grace and greater glory. And I will sure Surely, surely look unto Him, and I will enjoy my race. Amen. That's what the Holy Ghost is saying. And so, Silas received a promo. Amen. So, I want to encourage you this morning. Don't spectacularize the leading of the Holy Spirit. Don't let people pressure you into things that don't line up with your seamer. Hey, if it seems good to you to stay home on a Friday night rather than to go out with the gang, stay home. Whatever seems right. Amen. Turn quickly to Psalm 16, verse 7. Are you getting anything today at all? I believe that you are the lettuce people. I, the Holy Ghost in the Bay Area. We're led by God. In Psalm 16, verse 7, David said, I'm going to bless the Lord who has given me counsel. He said, my reins instruct me in the night seasons. My reins, or my heart, the NIV says, the Jerusalem says, my innermost self instructs me. My reins. That lines up with the inward witness. Now let's track this out just for a few moments this morning. Turn quickly to Psalm 26, and we'll look at verse 1 and 2. Psalm 26, verse 1 and 2. We're talking about spiritual things today, amen? Amen. The things that we're talking about are spiritually discerned, amen? So keep tracking with me, and believe the eyes of your heart to be flooded today with light. In Psalm 26, verse 1, it says, Judge me, O Lord, for I have walked in integrity... I've trusted also in the Lord, therefore I shall not slide. Now notice verse 2 and read it with me. Examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my reins and my heart. Notice that phrase. Try my reins and my heart. 
Now we know that a rein is a steering mechanism for a horse, is it not? See, a rein-trained horse does not need a bit, does it? In other words, there's no forcing. They're rein-trained. Now look at Psalm 32. And notice with me in verses 7 through 9, and we'll keep tracking this out. Psalm 32, verse 7 through 9 says this, You are my hiding place. You will preserve me from trouble. You will compass me about with songs of deliverance. Now notice verse 8. I'm going to instruct thee, and I'm going to teach you in the way that thou shalt go, and I'm going to guide you with what? I'm going to, hey, he sees it all. He sees it all. There is nothing that is naked to the eyes with whom we have to do. He sees the beginning from the end and everything in between. And so as we learn to wait on him and become rain trained, he will guide us with his eye. Notice verse uh, 9. Be not as the horse or as a stubborn mule, which have no understanding. Now notice, whose mouth must be held in with bit and bridle, lest they come near unto thee. In other words, don't be as stubborn as an old mule. Amen. Another translation says, they will not come unless you make them. And there are people that have this attitude, well, I'll tell you what, bless God, I'll have to see a burning bush before I do that. You and I should not require a bit. I'm going to say that again. You and I should not require a bit. But you and I can become rain train. Oh, come on. Just like that power steering on a horse. That little leather strap. They just lay it on the horse's neck. And just a slight movement and the horse responds. Oh, hallelujah. And that's where God wants to get you to. Just that slight impression of the Holy Spirit. Just that slight knowing on the inside. When God says, do this, go there, don't do this, don't do that. You'll just know because you are a mature son of God. And you're trained by the head of the church, the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to this now. In Proverbs 20 and verse 27. It says this, that the spirit of man, say it with me, I am a spirit, I have a soul, and I live in a physical body. You know, Paul writing to the church at Thessalonica prayed this, he said, I pray that the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, that your whole spirit, soul, and body would be preserved until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. He put it in its proper order, spirit, soul, and body. Not body, soul, and spirit. Those that are more body conscious than they are spirit conscious are going to have a bunch of trouble. You know why? Because your body is subject to change. I mean, it changes sometimes with the weather. How many of you know your emotions can change? 
But one thing that can remain unchanged is a spirit that is subjection to the Father of spirits and His Word, which is spirit and life. You are not a body. You are seeing Mark Thomas's body here. Amen. 60 years old. But I'm telling you what, on the inside, I'm a whole lot better looking than I am on the outside. I'm a whole lot younger on the inside, hey, than I am on the outside. And that should be good news to some of you. Hey, though the outward man is decaying, yay, the inward man is renewed day by day. Hallelujah. Therefore, we don't look at the things which are seen. We don't look at the lines. We don't look at the gray. Oh, but we look into the unseen realm. And we see our lives conformed into the image of Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. My body is simply the vehicle through which my spirit operates out of. One day if Jesus tarries, his body will drop. But oh, my spirit and your spirit shall live. (laughs) Woo! Glory! I'm preaching myself happy right now. Your spirit shall live forever. I said, your spirit is going to live forever. And so with our physical body, we're able to move around this earth. We contact the physical realm. With our mind, we contact the will, the emotions, that emotional realm. But with our spirit, we contact the spiritual realm. We contact the father of spirits. We're in koinonia with the Holy Spirit. And that's where the real activity of life takes place. That's where life is and faith is and love is and joy is and peace is. Oh, Shalomahaya. I'm getting happy right now. I got a warm-up sermon at 9 a.m. Now I'm going into overdrive. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, glory to God. That's where life happens is in your spirit. Out of your spirit, the Bible says, is going to flow the issues, the forces of life, the wisdom of God, the faith of God, the righteousness of God, and the love of God. Mm -mm -mm. Now let's look at Proverbs 20, 27. Look at this now. Many are led by the Spirit of God. They are the sons of God. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Verse 27, the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. My spiritual father, Brother Hagin, says it this way. If it was written in modern day vernacular, the word candle would be the light bulb. The spirit of man is the light bulb of the Lord. Searching all what's down here. And that's where the action is. Right here, baby. Counsel in the heart of man is like deep water. But a man and a woman of understanding are going to be able to draw that out. And so the light shines in your spirit. It's like a light bulb and it's like a lamp. And it is out of your spirit that the Father of Spirit will show you the right way for you to go in your life. Now listen. If you've not yet been filled with the Holy Spirit, I encourage you to be filled today with the Holy Spirit. Because understand this, 
that there's a language beyond English that you can tap into in addition to having power from on high to be a witness once you receive him. And that language is, ha ha, the language of the Spirit. It is the language of the Holy Spirit. And in that ability to speak supernaturally out of your spirit to the Father of Spirits, you are speaking divine secrets or divine mysteries. And it is in those times of prayer, when you're in the Word and you're praying in the Spirit, all of a sudden, the knowledge of God, the wisdom of God, the knowing what to do, shall just flow up from here and you'll be able to know what to do in your mind. Amen? Oh, receive the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I want to share two more verses with you before we receive communion. Please turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 3. And I got this little revelation from Dr. Creflo A. Dollar. You ever heard of that struggling preacher down there in Atlanta? I think he's got about 110 people in his church. First Peter 3, verse 4. Listen to this now. But let it be the hidden man of the heart. That's the spirit. And that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. In other words, it is of great value to God when you're meek, when you listen to Him, and you allow yourself to live out of your spirit and not out of your mind. But I like this little revelation. The New Testament uses the heart and spirit, those words interchangeably. The heart is the very core of man. It's not the blood pump, is it? But it's the center of man. Now, look at the word heart there. Take a look at it for just a moment. Look at the word heart. Now, notice what you see in that word. You see the words here. You see the word ear. Amen. You see the word he. And you also see the word art. Do you not? Listen to this. Here's what he said. He is in the center of your heart. So you can have an ear to hear him. And that is your art as a Christian. In other words, God has not made it difficult. He's made it easy. In closing, turn with me to Isaiah 48, please. Isaiah 48, verse 16 and verse 17. Did you wear your shouting clothes? Woo, glory to God. I get excited knowing that I can be led by God. Don't you? I mean, just to be honest with you, I have faced some, <laughs> I faced some dillies in my life. You know, I looked in the Rama Bible Training Center handbook on what to do, and it wasn't in there. You, you don't pick up everything at theological seminary. <laughs> you got to pick it up from the Holy Ghost who lives on the inside of you. Isaiah chapter 48, verse 16 and 17 says, Come near, hear this. I have spoken in secret from the beginning, from the time that it was, there I am. And now the Lord God and His Spirit has sent me. Verse 17. This is you and this is me. Thus saith the Lord thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, speaking to heart of the bay today. I am your God. And I'm going to teach you to profit. 
And I'm going to lead you by the way that you should go. Let's stand up, everybody, and thank him for his word today. Amen. Oh, bless the Lord, oh, my soul. Thank you, Lord. Just raise both your hands toward heaven.